Philippians chapter 2, and we will read beginning with verse number 12. Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmuring and disputings, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke. In the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. I love how Paul described the times in which they lived. The crooked and perverse nation. You live in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. I don't know of any passage of Scripture that more aptly defines the world in which we live right now. And it was in the context of that situation that Paul Talk to them about being a pattern for that crooked and perverse world. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Our present world situation makes the words of our text all the more important to me. When I read them and when I read them, I realized that there was a powerful yet simple message that I felt I wanted to convey to you as a church body. That in the midst of the world in which we live, these words should become all the more important to us and they would be all the more valuable. For the message speaks to me of how we should live in such evil times. It speaks of the conduct and the attitude in which times like these need a pattern. I believe that it is evident by our country and the state of our country right now that we are in a free fall in many, many ways. Morally, We are beyond free fall. I think we have gone into the abyss. Socially and politically, we live in a world where nothing surprises me anymore and nothing shocks me. Far more than that, I think the spiritual climate of our time is in a free fall as well in many ways, even though... Uh, There are many churches being born in many places 
The fact is, according to the latest statistics, that church attendance is down. And uh, people are turning away from the church and they are turning toward other things. And I, I feel like there's a reason for that. Perhaps in our, our lesson tonight we could learn something that would help us turn the moral climate of our, our world. But I would be less than truthful tonight if I were to tell you that I was not fearful of what is coming. Because I'm as human as any of you. I, I am afraid of what next month will even bring and the elections of our country. But I am not afraid in the sense of knowing what the end is going to be. Because I know the Lord is in control and He has the power to raise up and put down. And evidently, whatever is going to be is going to be part of that eternal plan. And I may not see it or understand it, but God's hand is still in control of this universe. Amen. If I didn't believe that, I'd quit right now and go home. But I believe he's still in control. Amen. The Democrats, the Republicans, the Independents, the liberals, the conservatives, none of those are in control of the destiny of this world. It is the God who created us that has his hands still upon the controls of this world. We are here tonight by the grace of God. And we are here because the Lord has chosen to not take his church out yet. And so until he decides to do that, we need to know how to live in such wicked and evil times. The fact is the world in which we live is dark. It is in exceeding great darkness. And the world that we live in has nothing to offer this hour of hope. Nothing. They have nothing to offer and nothing to counter the darkness that is coming over the face of the earth. And it is in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation that Paul addresses his words. They describe not only his day but our time. Crooked, twisted, warped, unscrupulous, perverse, dark, sinister, perverted. Tell me that those two words do not describe the day in which we live. A world that has turned its back on God and the habits and the sentiments of the hour are in direct opposition to God's plan and God's purpose. And so Paul speaks to the church in the midst of such a setting and such a time And he declared to them how they ought to live, how they should conduct themselves. And here is an appeal to live for God in the worst of times. Amen. In the worst of times. Now as bad as we might think things are tonight, I have news for you. They can get worse. And they probably will get worse. And you and I have got to know how to live in such a time. Whatever the times may be, knowing how to live and knowing the values and the principles that 
must govern our lives are so important because much of what we have grown up thinking to be truth has been thrown in the street and no longer does right sit upon the throne, but whatever man can do or get by with, we can find a way to justify. And so Paul contrasts the lives of the believers and the lives of those who live in the world and the way that the world lives and the way that a child of God lives must be different. Everybody say different. Amen. Different. More than just a theological difference, there has to be a moral difference. There has to be not only a moral difference, but there must be a conduct of life that's different. Everybody say different. We are to live defined by different principles and purposes. And he defines the response that should be ours in such times. And he gives us a pattern to live our life by in such an hour. He points out some very important and pertinent things to life. My duty to God, my duty to myself, and my duty to other and my fellow man. And he describes for us the character of the church and the children of God in crooked and perverse times. And he begins by addressing an attitude problem. Amen. Isn't it amazing? what an attitude can do in your life. Paul says to them that we are not to be murmuring and disputing as all the others do not, or he said do all things without murmurings or disputings. As a child of God in a wicked and a perverse hour, it is important that I do not allow the times to so affect me that my attitude begins to reflect the attitude of the hour in which I live. As children of God, we must not reflect the attitude of this hour, which is a complaining and an argumentative hour. Amen. You don't even have to say amen. You can just nod your head to that. Here is the reflection of a bad attitude, an attitude that had gripped the minds of people. When they looked around, they saw nothing to be happy about. They saw nothing to be hopeful over. They saw nothing to build their lives on. And as a result of that, the attitude that began to be manifest in their life was complaining and arguing whining and carping. They became punitive. And one word that is used there in the text indicates they became very legalistic in their efforts. They were taking others to law, thinking that the law could settle their differences. They were unpleasant. There was nothing about them that made you want to be around them. And Paul said, you've got to be careful in a crooked and a perverse world that you don't let their attitude rub off on you so that you become a complainer or a whiner or you become punitive and petty and selfish and unpleasant 
You know, we live in a world where it's dangerous to drive down the freeway anymore because if you just accidentally pull over in front of somebody, they may run you down and point a gun at you because that's the way the world feels like they can solve their problems. There is a negative. I don't even, I, I, I don't know how many of you read the news or listen to the news or go on the internet and surf the news, but I want to tell you one thing that I've discovered about the news lately. It is so negative that when I get through scanning, I get sick at my stomach. And I, I get tired. I, grouchy people are grouchy and peevish and petty and short-circuited and short-fused and everybody's nerves are on edge because nobody knows what's going to happen. No, everybody's afraid. And Paul said, in a world like that, you have to be careful that you don't let that attitude become your attitude. That as a church of the living God, we have a responsibility to this hour to not let their attitude become our attitude so that we begin to talk and act and conduct ourselves like they do. Oh, me. Amen. He was talking about Israel under Moses. Moses was a meek man, but boy, those people drove him to his last nerve by their pettiness. They cried because they didn't have anything to eat, and so God gave them something to eat, and then they got sick of what God gave them. That's kind of the world in which we live. You could serve them life on a silver platter, and they would see some kind of tarnish on the platter. They'd want to know why it wasn't gold. Amen. Everything the believer does should be without complaining, Paul said. Everything, everybody say everything, everything the church does should be without complaining, without being argumentative and, and getting into fights and, and skirmishes over things that are temporal. He said, don't live in a complaining way. When I wrote that down, I had to stop a moment and say, now, if you're going to preach that to others, <laughs> are you living what you're preaching? And the truth is, I'm just as human as you are. And every once in a while, that attitude rubs off on me. And I look around and I can find fault in everything and everybody and and it doesn't matter what happens if they fry the eggs, they fried the wrong one. And, you know, we go through life and we feel like we've been cheated when the truth is, I am so blessed tonight, I don't even know where to begin to count my blessings. God has been so good to me and He has been so kind and merciful. The greatest thing that He ever did was to forgive me of my sins and take those sins away from my life and remove them from my account and not hold me accountable for those failures. That's the greatest thing God's ever done in my life. Same thing for you. But if we're not careful, sometimes we can get to where we look around and the glass is, is half empty instead of half full. We don't have this. We don't have that. We don't understand this. We don't understand that. 
Paul said that's the attitude of a peevish world. That's the attitude of a crooked and a perverse world. And as a child of God living in that environment, you cannot let their attitude become your attitude. Negative, complaining, griping, finding fault, finding some reason to not be involved. That is a bad, bad attitude to have. Amen. Don't let that reflect your attitude. Sometimes we have to come to church just to get our attitude right. I remember driving by a pub one night and it had a sign out on the street that said, Happy Hour, Attitude Adjustment Hour. And that's how the world deals with their problems. If they can take another pill or drink a little more, uh, somebody asked uh, one of the pro football players the other day what he was going to go do after he got uh, to to, uh, deal with the loss that he had just suffered. He said, I'm going to go home and have me a glass of scotch. And that's what the world thinks is the solution to their problems. But scotch or brandy or whiskey or any of the others has never been the solution to a problem. They just create other problems. Man. So Paul said, don't, don't let the attitude of that negative culture invade your space. Keep a perimeter up. Be thankful. You know, one of the best ways I've learned to keep a negative attitude away is just find something to be thankful for every day. And sometimes we feel like we've got to look a long way, but the fact is that if you had food to eat, you are better off than millions and millions and millions of people on the face of the earth. That if you had more than one set of clothes to choose from tonight, that you are ahead of more than two-thirds of the world in which we live right now. Amen. You don't believe that, but those are the facts of the world in which we live. People have very little, and, and yet they learn to live. And we have so much, and we learn to complain because we don't have more. Paul said, don't let that creep into your life. In a crooked, perverse world, don't become negative and cynical and, and, and always looking at life as being half full or, or half empty or whatever. How, look at it as being blessed to have what it has. It could be worse. It could be far worse than what it is. But God has helped me. And this I know that he will not put more on me than I can bear. And so whatever God is allowed to come, I've got to understand that must be part of what God has planned for my life. So instead of being grouchy, he said, don't be grouchy. Turn to your neighbor and tell him that right now. Don't be grouchy. Because that's a reflection of the hour of the end. That's the crooked and a perverse world's way of dealing with problems. Amen. Don't be grouchy. Don't be so negative. Every time somebody says something positive, you're going to say something to refute it. You ever been around anybody like that? You say the sky's blue. They say, no, it's not blue. It's turquoise. 
Come on. That's the world. That's the world Paul was talking about. And he said, hey, church, listen to me. You've got to make sure you don't let that rub off on you. Amen. Not only should we not allow the attitude of the world to come into our life, but we are not to live by the same rule that the world lives by. The world makes up its own rules as it goes along. They make them up as they go. They, if it feels good, do it. It may be wrong for you, but it's not wrong for me. And so we have learned to live in a world where if, if it feels good, do it. And we live in a time much like the time that is spoken of in the book of Judges where the Bible said every man did what was right in his own eyes. And Paul said you cannot live by the rule of this world because the world is always changing its rules and adapting its rules to fit its present situation And he names three things that they must be conscious of in the world in which they live. Number one, he said you must be blameless. Number two, you must be harmless. Number three, you must be without rebuke. Three very important things that need to govern the life of a child of God that lives in a crooked and a perverse world. First of all, the word blameless speaks as my responsibility to the world in which I live. And Paul said to those early believers that we are to live in this world understanding that we have a responsibility to them. And that responsibility is that we must live our life so they cannot find fault in our God. Amen. We must live our lives in such a way that they will not find fault, not only in us, but in our God. That there will, no, there will not be a, a, any hypocrisy. That what we say is what we are. We not only talk the talk, but we walk the walk. And we do not retard the purpose of God by an inconsistent life to the world. It's amazing to me how many people you run into in life that will tell you when they find out I'm a preacher, it's amazing how many of them are converted and become Christians, forgetting the fact that just before they found that out, they were using four-letter words like you wouldn't believe, and then all of a sudden it was praise the Lord. The world we live in is so messed up right now. The rules are so skewed that we have no real pattern to judge our life by. That's why we're in such a mess in the presidential race. It's sad that our country could not produce any better candidates than we have out there right now running for the presidency of our United States, and if that offends you, then just be offended. But I'm telling you, our country needs help. It needs prayer. What it really needs is for the true body of Christ to rise up and be what he called us to be and begin to show forth that light that he put in us 
and to live in a way that the world can never point a finger at me and say, you hypocrite. You go to church and you act holy, but then you come home and you live unholy. Paul said, make sure that you live a life blameless so that the world cannot look at you and discredit God because of your life. Well, the reason I don't live for God is because my neighbor calls themselves a Christian, but I heard them, I saw them, they cheated, they misled people. Those are the things that Paul said we must be conscious of. We must live the life that we profess, to live in such a way that we do not do anything to discredit what the Lord Jesus Christ accomplished at Calvary. That our testimony would be consistent. That when people see us, they would say, they've been with Jesus. There's something about them. They're, they're, they're different. They're not like the other Christians. To live right is what he was talking about. But more than that, to act right. My Lord, it's becoming harder and harder for some people to act right. <laughs> Amen. And far worse than that for people to talk right. They say talk right. And to be what we ought to be, to be seen as living right, that's what Paul said. You've got to put forth an image and a picture to the world that is consistent with what the Lord says and what His Word says and what you are. The second thing that he mentioned is that we are to be harmless. The word means sincere. And that is a responsibility that we have to ourselves. To who we are as individuals. To thine own self be true was the, the words of the poet. But literally Paul was referring to a life that was unmixed and unadulterated. It was the wine that had not been altered from its state, but it was pure. It was oil that had not been messed with or genetically worked on to produce something other than what it was. But it was pure and virgin olive oil. And he said, you've got to live that way to yourself. You know, we can lie to other people, but when we start lying to ourselves, we're in trouble. Somewhere in life, you've got to go look in the mirror and say, you know what, you need to do better than that. You know what, you need to act better than that. You know what, you need to talk better than that. Somewhere in life, we've got to step into that, that mirror of God's Word and look at ourselves and say, God, it's not my wife's responsibility to fix me. It's not my neighbor's responsibility to fix me. It's my responsibility to take account for my life and do something with my life that's worthwhile. Amen. Living my life must issue into a complete sincerity of thought and character. My motives, they need to be pure. We are not cheap imitations. We are the genuine, the real children of God. And we must reflect that. And so our values are going to be different. And then he said, without rebuke or without blemish, that deals with my responsibility toward God. It was speaking in reference to a sacrifice that was fit to be offered to God upon the altar. It was unblemished. 
There was no fault in it. It was pure. As a son of God, as a daughter of God, I need to live my life in such a way that there are no blemishes there. There are no points of rebuke. Showing by my conduct that I am a partaker of his divine nature, that I do more than just talk in tongues. I live in tongues, if you understand what I'm saying. I live my life not only by the things that are told, but the things that are untold in the Word, the things that are privately spoken to me as an individual. You see, there's things that God will deal with me about that He may not talk to you about, but He talks to me because it's something in my life I've got to work on. And I need to make sure that I listen when God's talking to me. Amen. Everybody say, I want to listen. Living in a crooked and a perverse world, we must not reflect the rules of this world. We must live by a different standard, a higher measure, morals, standards, ethics. They've got to be of a higher level than the world in which we live. The rules that we live and play by have got to be those that are ordered of the Lord. The third thing that Paul reflects on was this crooked and perverse world. Crooked and perverse. We must not reflect the values of this age. We must not come to the point that we call crooked straight and straight crooked. We can never come to the place where we wink at evil. Amen. I'm afraid some of us need to learn how to, sh- how to be shamed by that again. We must never call evil good or good evil. And we must never come to the place that light is darkness and darkness is light. Amen. I cannot get away from the words in Genesis when the Lord spoke and the world came into existence and he said let there be light and there was light and then he goes further into creation and he separates he separates everybody say he separates he separates light and darkness and i better make sure that i keep them separated even now That in the world in which we live where people can come up with every kind of excuse under the world that justifies the way they want to live, I've got to go back to what God said about that. Now what does the Word say about that? What does God's Word declare that I should do in such a circumstance? And I must never mix the two. I must never try to fuse them together and And make something that God never intended. I must keep separated the light from the darkness. Amen. I must. Everybody say I must. I must reflect the values of his world, not this world. Amen. What is important in his world is truth. Buy the truth and sell it not. I don't care what it costs you. I don't care what you've got to put down for it. Buy the truth and sell it not. Don't ever let anybody try to come into your life and tell you that truth doesn't matter. 
because truth does matter. Amen. Don't ever let anybody come into your life and tell you that you're too narrow-minded. Amen. You are too narrow-minded. You, you need to open up. You need to reach the world in which we live. We need to. I, I got so sick and, and I quit going to them. Church leadership conferences. I heard not our people but different men of the denominational world that would say that we've got to uh, make ourselves relevant to this world. And I thought, how can you take a cross and make it relevant to a world that's mad on pleasure? How can you preach self-sacrifice? And how can you preach blood and cross and dying and giving and, and letting go in a world that is only centered upon itself? We will never be relevant to this world. This book will never be relevant. God didn't give us this word for it to be relevant to the world. Now, I understand what some of them are trying to say, that we've got to find a way to present the gospel to this culture, but that's not, that, that's not where our, our, our world is going. The world takes it as if, you're, if we're going to be relevant, then we must embrace all beliefs. It's amazing they will not let our children bring a Bible to school, but they will let them take a Koran to school. You know what needs to happen? A church needs to wake up and realize that we live in a crooked world, and God said there's some things you've got to be aware of. Don't develop their, don't, don't take their attitude. Don't reflect their values. Don't allow their rule to become your rule. But more than that, he said you must shine. You, you've got to remember that you are light. Amen. Everybody say light. And as a light, we must shine. We must not allow the crookedness of the hour to cause us to shriek and become less than what God wants us to be. We must bless this hour with the only hope that there is, and that is the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Buddha is dead. Mohammed is dead. Confucius is dead. But Jesus Christ is alive and well tonight. Amen. And we must bless this hour with the only hope that it can find. And that is the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Light brings cheer and hopefulness. And we should have that same kind of influence in the world in which we live. When people get around us, they should feel better because they've been around us. Because I'm a light giver. I'm a light bearer. Amen. When people come around me, they should not leave scratching their head wondering what I am. They should know. We should have the cheering influence of light and give comfort to a world that's in chaos and shine as lights. Amen. Remember the song that said, This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Amen. Why? Because light was given for the purpose of eradicating darkness. Amen. The only hope the world has right now, sitting on these pews right now, people that call themselves children of the Most High God, it, it, this is where it's at, church. 
And if we don't let the light shine out of us, if we don't allow our lives to become luminous with His glory, we're going to miss the greatest opportunity that the church has ever had. We must be lights. And the Bible said, hold forth the word of life. I love that phrase. Holding forth the word of life. The word that is used there is the illusion of a tower that was built on the entrance to a harbor in which the fires would be kept burning at all times for the vessels trying to make their way into harbor. Paul said that's what we are in this crooked world. We've got light and we've got a whole life out. We've got to let people know that there's something that is worth living for. It's not Bud Light and it's not Bud Little or Bud Big or Bud anything else. It's the Lord. It is the God of glory that came and wrapped himself in flesh. And we must hold forth the word of life. The only hope the world has is still in this old black book. Amen. It's still within the covers of this book. Everything that I need that pertains to life and godliness, God gave it to me in this word. Amen. And my responsibility in a crooked and a perverse world is to hold this forth. Stretch it out. Amen. Send somebody a lifeline. Somebody says, I don't know what to do. You ought to be able to say, I know what to do. Somebody says, I don't know what to say. You ought to say, I know what to say. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. You need to have an answer for the hope that lies within you. But we've got something to give the world, a light and a life. Amen. What can be better than that? Praise God. What our world needs are more of us to get the globe of our heart cleaned off so that light could shine brilliantly in this world so that somebody that's going down for the last time would say, Hey, there's hope over there. I heard something about a church in Webster where people can have their lives turned around and people can be put back together and mended. Amen. Holding on to life. And holding firmly as a watchman that stands on the wall. Help us to shine as lights in this world. And hold forth the word of life. Amen. Praise God. I got the image of a a statue standing with that word stretched out to a city. That's the way you and I need to live. Knowing that we've got the answer. Amen. We've got the answer. We don't need to be bold. We don't need to brag about it. We just need to be bold about it. Amen. We don't need to mince our words. Praise God. Somebody asked a young man that was converted from being a Muslim why he, uh, he, he was converted. He said, well, it's like this. He said, I came to a crossroad. I came to a crossroad. And in, on one path, it led to a tomb. <clears throat> and the other path, it led to an open grave. And I chose the open grave over the closed tomb. I'd rather serve a, a living God than a dead God. 
Amen. That's the hope that we have to give to the world in a crooked and perverse world that we would live in a way that there would be hope still in such times as these. Amen. Somebody say, God help me to live the right life in this hour. Amen. In a crooked and perverse world. Life will not always be as we want it to be, but we can still show forth His light and His love. And we can, we can be sowers of hope. Amen. I love that phrase, sowers of hope. Going through the world with our bag of seed and sowing into our community hope. Amen. Let's stand to our feet right now. Praise God.